2: Welcome to it. Happy Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Not Chris Schmidt. Chris Schmidt currently finds himself uh, five strokes over on the golf course. I just made that up. It's probably more like 15. Uh, but he is out on the golf course and knocking some rust off ahead of tomorrow's uh, Tyson's Treasure Chest uh, charity golf outing as uh, he is not going to be shown up by Searles. He has promised me that uh, so, Chris out on the golf course knocking the rust off. Instead, it is Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through this Friday here on Hale Varsity Radio. And i uh, got some good stuff to get into today as uh, we finally heard. Uh, from John Cook regarding the appointment of Trev Alberts as athletic director. We heard, uh, I guess we didn't hear, we read a statement earlier this week from Coach Frost. Uh, we uh, heard from Will Bolt at the press conference as well as some uh, reporters talked to him. Uh, nothing official yet from uh, from John Cook, but we do have uh, a reporter out in Kearney who was able to uh, track him down. I'm not sure where he tracked him down at, uh, but get some thoughts from John Cook. We'll get into that here in a second. We also learned... Who is going to be going to uh, Indianapolis for the Big Ten Media Days for the Huskers. Tell you about that a little bit later. Um, We have Aaron Sorensen coming up here in about 15 minutes. And an hour two, we're going to be rewinding that YouTube Tuesday segment with Trev Alberts that we've been talking about this week. I was trying to figure out the right time to place it into the show and decided uh, now would be the best time as uh, we're only uh, two days removed from Trev Albert's appointment as uh, he gets into that uh, dramatic 1993 win over UCLA, a 14 to 13 win in that national championship season. So we're going to get into that with uh, Trev in our two uh, and uh, a lot more to get into, including... Some horns down talk, as that's been uh, the talk of social media here recently. Well, before we get into it, it's our second show of the day. Uh, Did you do anything special or fun in, in between our two shows as, as we were together for that the listeners who are not locally here in lincoln will and i took us uh took you through the morning hookup this morning here on espn lincoln now we're back for hail Varsity radio oh hey elijah good morning or good afternoon how are you doing <laughs> you're already all, all out of sorts
3: saying good morning at 4 p.m i know no i uh, just laid down uh, had some lunch of course uh played some mlb of the show which is mm. fun uh I, you mentioned something about the tyson uh treasure chest Yes. Uh a golf event? Uh-huh. That's going on right now? It's going on tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, uh Highlands Golf Course, I believe. I don't think I could ever uh play in that thing again. I I, I played in it last time mm-hmm. and you you know, it, it out of all the groups, you know how hard it is to get last in a scramble <laughs> event? Well, my team did. Who's on your team? It was my buddy Chase and then two listeners who listened to ESP in here. Uh-huh. Uh we invited them out. It was like a contest. They won. And so they came out and played with us. And And they got stuck with you. Oh, yeah,
2: me. (laughs) Yeah, I was... Anyways, we shot like five under. And that was last place. It's competitive. That's why why Chris is so serious about going and knocking the rust off. Which is funny, because I know for a fact... He was out golfing like last weekend. No, there's and no he's rust. Still, he's still got to knock the rust off.
3: There's no <laughs> rust to dust off. He's just uh, knocking the ball around. We'll put it. We'll put it that
2: way. <laughs> uh, seeing how many balls he loses today. Right. Uh, but uh, yes, it's much much the same for me. I was saying this morning how I was uh, how sitting for my dad this weekend, um, which was fun. So I stopped back over there and uh, let the animals out. Stole some lunch from them, which was awesome. But you have to. My brother is also out of so him and his wife uh, just married. About a month and a half ago uh they're both out of town Uh, my brother's in kenya um he is so he's he's a school teacher here in lincoln uh teaches at lincoln east and uh in the summer you know how you don't have any work in the summertime whenever you're a school teacher he works for a a local nonprofit. and i usually say no free shout outs but they're a non-profit and they do good work so it's it's the hope venture uh and they're out in kenya uh doing some projects out there so he's over there and then his wife is somewhere as well so i'm double duty taking care of all the all the family pets taking care of my brother's cat um, my dad's two dogs and his cat as well as taking care of the two animals i have at my own house so it's a busy busy weekend for me taking care of animals i feel like a farmer yeah as you should like you said free food that's that's what's nice that is what's nice uh numbers to get in today 402 466 3776 or 1-800-825-5865. Again, 402-466-3776. That's how you get contacted with us today. You can also send me a tweet at Herbal Essences or send Will a tweet at Willie on the radio. Got that right? Yeah, I'm getting better at it uh, or at ESPN Lincoln's how you get in contact with us. That's also where you can find uh, all the interviews from the show today. ESPN Lincoln at Twitter or ESPNLincoln.com. But let's get right into this as uh, there, there was a pretty good question uh, in the uh, the mailbag that Mitch Sherman finally got around to uh, this week. And the question was, is uh, it's related to the outside perception of of the Trev Alberts hire and the, uh, the the Scott Fratz hire as well, even though that's now four years removed. And the outside perception of that move is that, you know, Nebraska is just going back and trying to reclaim old glory. They're going back to the nineties. They, they can't find success now in the 21st century. So what are they going to do? They're going to go back to the last time they find success and just see if those guys can reboot it. I mean, I, I've seen comments like that before on, on Twitter. If you're following any of the national pundits on social media, I'm sure you've seen takes similar to this as well, that it's just, Oh, Nebraska going back to the glory days. Uh, B- Bill Moose wasn't working out for him. So that what they do, they went back and found a player from the nineties, just like they did with their football coach. Uh, and th- that just seems to be what the perception of Nebraska has been, uh, honestly, even since they've joined the Big Ten. Is just that Nebraska is going down this route of trying to reclaim old glory that they're never going to find. And, and the question I want to get into for this first segment here is, is that a, a fair evaluation of the-, of the current situation at Nebraska? Is, is Nebraska simply trying to, to reclaim that old glory? I mean, you can go back to even to, to Tom Osborne being named the athletic director. Uh, back whenever Nebraska was making the move from the Big 12 to the Big 10 that Nebraska didn't find uh, any success with Peterson so what do they do they go back to the 90s they go back to the old coach Tom Osborne he's going to reclaim that that spot of Nebraska in the glory land and he's going to he's going to lead them to glory again because again it's all you can do as Nebraska is go back to 90s now I personally don't agree with this sentiment at all
3: what do you mean what do you mean you don't agree with uh, the national media like making fun of us for that? Well, uh, even
2: just the fact that while Nebraska is going back to the players that, uh, that led them to success in the 90s, that's not why they're going to these players. I mean, Scott Frost, everyone wanted Scott Frost after they saw what he did at UCF. It, it just happened to be that he was the guy who played here in the 90s. And what's important here is Nebraska is going to these guys that played here because they get the culture and they care. That's the difference. Is there's not many people around the country anymore that care that if, if you were to hire a, a football coach to come to Nebraska, they wouldn't they wouldn't get it. I mean, uh, the, this the the what was the quote from uh, from Steve Sipple's story today in the Journal Star was that Nebraska football is the number one cultural export from the state of Nebraska, huh. and, and it's not like that in many other college football towns where the the football team. Or, or even just the the university brand on the athletic side of things is the is the export from the state I mean that that's what Nebraska I would argue is is most famous for it's not the corn it's not the beef it's not the uh, the agricultural product so that is a huge part of the state I mean the number one name recognition thing from Nebraska is Nebraska football
3: yeah you're right uh, but it's it's the whole you know hiring somebody who has the experience or you know the connection to Nebraska. You mentioned the national people. I mean, when they, when that hire got announced, a lot of national people were saying, "Nope, here comes the uh, the Big Brother approach." You know that that continues, and it's very easy for all these people to look at Nebraska fans. In nebraska and make fun of them because elijah when we cling on to the glory days hell every time we even say the two words glory days uh i I don't really like it because we have to at some point we have to break away from that Mm -hmm. and do our own thing we can't hang on to the past and and hope we're gonna get there we at some point we got to you know let that go
2: and focus on what we have right now. So, do you think the hire of Trev Alberts and Scott Frost is is moving down down that path of letting go, or do you think it is trying to reclaim the old glory? No, I think it is trying
3: to uh, reclaim it. There's a reason, uh, you know. He's he he played here, mm-hmm. okay. I think I think that was a big part to it. I think one thing we all don't really think about is we think about it, but we the money. It's the money. Right. I mean, Frost was a good hire because he played here and the donors would love him in and donate. Trev played here. He's going to be leading the A.D. People are going to feel comfortable with familiar faces around, which results in more money.
2: Well, And also the fact that, I mean, the boosters are going to have more leash on a guy like Scott Frost, who did win a national championship here. And the booster saw what he did at UCF. I mean, you've seen this. If this was any other coach getting the results that Scott Frost is getting through year four, uh, I think the the national media would be correct with their assessment of this coach is on the hot seat. But I do think Scott gets more of a leash because of the success he's already had here. And then you can see that he is learning and getting better every single year as a coach and, and learning what this team needs to succeed in the Big Ten. And... uh and, and I think I'm going to disagree with you here whenever you say that this is somewhat of an attempt to, to reclaim middle glory because it's it's really just Nebraska needed to find somebody who still saw this as a, a top job. I mean, you heard the comments from Jamie Pollard a few weeks ago where he essentially said, as of right now, I don't think Nebraska is that much better of a landing spot for an AD gig than Iowa State. I mean, th- that was stinging, honestly, as, as somebody who grew up in, in the state of Nebraska to hear somebody say, you know what? I think Iowa State is just as good of a job as Nebraska. I, I not not when only do I it, think that's that's somewhat ridiculous when you look at the fan support at Nebraska and uh, just the amount of money the Nebraska athletic department generates. Um, it's just uh, it's uh, what's the word I want to use here? It's uh, it's abrasive, but it, it might be that reality
3: check Nebraska needed. Well, when you, I mean when you put it that way, it kind of sounds like they. They kind of copped out and, you know, hired. You said, you want to find a guy who who loves the job. Well, I'm sure there's a ton of people who would have loved the job if you forked up, you know, $7 million over, you know, how long. Uh, Money changes everything, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, Trev loves the job. He played here. He said this was the job he would leave for. So, yeah, it's that, that makes it easy to hire that guy. You know, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I did promise that we get to, to John Cook. As uh, I'm not sure where. This is from Peter Holland of the Kearney Hub. Uh, I have no idea where he found John Cook at. It seems to be some convention. It does. It is not any sort of formal press conference. But uh, Peter Holland got a chance uh, about two minutes uh, to sit down with John Cook and, and ask him about what he thought of the Trev Alberts hire. Um, so let's yeah we can get into that right now. Let's just uh, here's John Cook talking to uh, Peter Holland.
1: My assistant coach is there as a volleyball coach. I know how highly
4: she speaks of him. I actually had a, several times to interact with him because his daughter played club volleyball. Uh, That's right. And so I- hung out with him at some club volleyball tournaments and then uh, when they built the new Baxter Arena we took our team up there and played
2: to help open it up I think they drew, they have a record crowd from that night, I think it was Um,
4: 7,000 and the deal I made with him was if we did that uh, he'd have to. I wanted to go to a hockey game and be right on the ice. Oh. So that winter, I went. They took me to a hockey game and I got to throw the fish
2: out, and it was it was awesome. And he hung out hung out with us all night. It was really cool. So I think that just kind of emphasizes the, the kind of person that trev alberts is but, but john cook got into the hire itself uh talking about how nebraska really does need a leader like trev alberts at, at its current state especially when you look at the situation in the football program
5: so anyway i've had some interaction with him got to know him a little bit and i just think he's done a great job at uno and
2: we need a leader like him and, and especially somebody that gets the rest in football
3: did they do this
2: interview in the kitchen? I have no idea where they did this. And then that, this is a question I want to pose to you. Is like, if you saw Trev Alberts at, at some random place, would you walk up to me like, hey, Will Wilson, ESPN Lincoln, and pull up the phone camera and start asking him some questions? Because uh, it really seems like this, this, that's what, uh, what old Peter did here. I don't know if I would. There's a place and time for that. <laughs> and plus, I don't really
3: call myself a reporter. Uh, but if, I don't know. I, I don't think I I'd definitely introduce myself. You didn't introduce yourself yet, but you, you wouldn't pull out the phone camera and say, no, I got a I few questions for you. No,
2: I, I wouldn't do that. If Now, if he was in hot water and I needed to, then yes. No, see, I, I don't know where John Cook actually was for this interview. Um, but uh, essentially, he's just saying that the same thing Ted Carter said uh, and the same thing we heard in the press conference is that the leadership qualities of Trev Alberts are what set him apart. Not that he played here in the 90s. Um, I think it does help that he cares, but it's not that Uh, that Trev Alberts is some legacy hire that we're making because we're reclaiming old glory. It is because Nebraska, at its current state, I mean, this is pretty blunt from John Cook saying... And in, in our current form, we need a leader. And I think you can read between the lines there and, and see that John Cook's kind of saying here that Bill Moose wasn't the leader that Nebraska needed. I'm not saying he wasn't a leader at all. Um, but whenever you are doing your work from your ranch in Washington, uh, there's there's a different kind of, uh, of leadership from somebody who is uh, going to be in the office on a day-to-day basis, maybe working 12-hour days, showing up at 8 a.m. and staying until the sporting events end at 9 p.m. Uh, that's just a completely different type of leadership.
3: I agree. Yeah. I I agree that the the A D could do a better job of being a leader than uh what what Bill Moose
2: was showing. Yeah, well, I, we, I agree. Well we'll we'll hear from uh Trev Alberts, his YouTube Tuesday we sat down with him last year, last May actually in the midst of uh the COVID shutdown as uh, we did a, a YouTube's Tuesday segment talking about that 14-13 to 13 win over UCLA back in uh, 1993. Again, that's coming up at the top of hour two. But right now, before we talk to Aaron Sorensen uh, coming up after the break, I do want to mention Nebraska has selected its three players that it's going to be sending out to Indianapolis as a part of Big Ten Media Days. That is uh, a guy we talked to earlier this week on the show, Ben Stilley. Uh, he's going to be heading out to Indianapolis as well as Austin Allen and Deontay Williams. Uh, the notable exception here is uh, your starting quarterback, who he's already been out to the Big Ten Media Days, so maybe that plays a factor into it. But Adrian Martinez is not going to be present at the Big Ten Media Days, despite being, I mean, pretty much the face of this Husker football program at the moment. Neither is Cam Taylor Britt. And, and Cam Taylor Britt has not been to a Media Days, if I remember correctly. Interesting. I mean, all these guys are going to be first time uh, media guys, and they're all also. Uh, the senior leadership essentially on the team. Deontay's a six year senior. Ben Stilley's a six year senior. Uh, Austin Allen's a senior as well. So it, it makes sense that you're, you're sending the, your leadership out there. Um, Austin Allen also was a part of the search firm that helped find uh, Trev Alberts and confirm that he was the guy. So I, I think that's going to be some interesting insight to get. But we'll get Aaron Sorensen's insight into the selection as well as her thoughts on Trev Alberts coming up after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: We're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hail Varsity Radio,
2: presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Getting your weekend started early. It's a Friday edition of Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson in as uh, Chris Schmidt knocking the rust off of his golf game right now, ahead of the Tyson's Treasure Chest uh, golf outing tomorrow. Uh, But right now, we are excited to welcome in Hail Varsity Deputy Editor Aaron Sorensen joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Aaron, this week in Husker News, I mean, mid-July has this uh, reputation of being a, a slow time for Husker News. Uh, so w- when you woke up Monday morning, were you expecting all this news about, uh, let's see, you got Trev Alberts coming in as AD. Uh, You've got... Uh, Husker baseball adding a new coach in uh, Rob Childress, uh, and Nebraska football picks up a commitment. I mean, it just seemed like a whirlwind week when I, I really wasn't expecting it. We, 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 do you get the same the same view on this week as a whole?
0: I mean, I can't. I have to give him some credit. We have to give a shout out to John Cook too. He got three commitments in under forty eight hours. So <laughs> you are right. It has been a very very busy week for mid July. I feel like this is typically when we're like what arguing about. Uh, things like uh, alternate uniforms. That's usually what you're arguing about mid-July. So it has not been that. I, I mean, I didn't even really wake up Wednesday expecting to have a news like a news conference that day that I have to go and attend. So it has been a busy week for Nebraska. None of it, none of it bad news. Like you said, the Rob Childress thing was great for baseball. A lot of commits for some really, um, some big commits for some of Nebraska's programs. And then, a new ad i, I if you would ask me if this is how it would have gone for july nope but here we are
2: <laughs> well Aaron, you mentioned alternate uniforms Do you think we're going to be hearing anything about alternate uniforms in, in the near future I, I mean that's uh that's always one of my favorite talking points despite kind of being just uh fodder for uh, for people to talk about i always love seeing the alternate uniforms and we had some alternates last year that they, they never pulled out so do you think we're going to get any new alternates this year or is that just completely way off in the horizon for you
0: well, there was kind of, it's funny that you say that, or, in that you asked because there was a video that was shared, like a little snippet of Adrian grabbing a football out of essentially a wall of a cave, and people thought, this is it. They're announcing alternates. Now, as we, that's maybe still true, but what we know that they were essentially doing is just teasing a photo shoot that they legitimately did from a cave about 10 minutes from the stadium, so... Doesn't seem that was any kind of announcement necessarily. But, yeah, I always look forward to alternate uniform time, mostly because Brandon Vogel does such an amazing job breaking down and ranking, rating the uniforms, I should say. So, like, I love that part of it. I also like alternates as well. I am not somebody that, like, is against them. Obviously, Nebraska has its black shirt alternates, both home and away. So, I guess there's that option as well. But, yeah, I mean – I wonder what it would be like if that's what we were talking about right now.
2: Yeah, but instead we have a, a full week of Husker news to, to get into with you. And I, I want to start off uh, with the big news of the week. That's Trev Alberts. And, and the topic we were getting into last segment was uh, this outside perception of what the Trev Alberts Higher means for Nebraska as compared to what the people in and around the program are saying about this Trev Alberts hire and the kind of the sentiment I'm getting from some national writers and just people in the comment section is that this is Nebraska trying to reclaim the old glory of the nineties by bringing in Trev Alberts as a D what do you make of that argument?
0: I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I understand to be, to be fair in Nebraska has to unfortunately just kind of take a little bit like roll with the punches A little bit because that's just where things are right now if you start winning in football those jokes become less and less but when i saw some of that this week where it's like hiring trev is just an attempt to relive the 90s i'm thinking well what was bill moose then it's not like bill moose was hired to relive the 90s although he did bring in uh two former players for both baseball and football but and i guess fred hoiberg does have connections to nebraska as well but My point being is, it's an easy joke to make. I don't think that's probably a fair assessment. In fact, I think Trev Alberts as an AD is probably... I don't think he really necessarily cares about... He obviously very much appreciates his time at Nebraska. He, He expressed how much it meant to him. Obviously, his relationship with Tom Osborne is very strong. But he is somebody that I've always said in my experience has not, he does not mince words. He makes decisions that as we know are not always uh, popular with people. So when it comes to that, as far as is it somebody like just being hired to relive some kind of glory days, he probably wouldn't have been the pick for that. Like, don't you think like there are people out there like Dave Ermington, if he was interested that like you could have made the argument for if you really wanted to go down that path, Trev does know how to be na, so it's an easy joke to make is really is really what I took when I saw that.
3: We're talking to Aaron Sorensen with Hale Varsity uh, Aaron, during that press conference, you asked a very important question, and Twitter quickly agreed after and If you could, just please repeat the question you asked and then uh, give me your thoughts on the answer you got.
0: Yeah, so the question that I asked Trev Albert, which you know it's I, I want to be clear for anyone who's who's like. What does this mean? It's just a question and answer. It's going to require follow-ups. And I actually did have a chance to talk with him afterward to say, you know, I would love to follow up. But essentially, there are a couple of positions within Nebraska's athletic department, being the diversity and inclusion director and then also the associate AD senior women's administrator. And then the group, the Minority Student Athletes Collective that had been working very closely with Phil Moose and both the diversity and inclusion director – there's, there's a lot of pieces right now when, when Trev Alberts is talking about building trust with the student-athletes, but this feels like an area where you can very quickly build trust, but what does it look like to hire those two positions and then also to work with this collective to further diversity and inclusion within the athletic department? And you know, his answer was he, he's aware that these positions are open. Obviously, he doesn't start until Monday, so he hasn't had really any time to dive into it. But I, I appreciated his quote that it's important to him to have coaching staffs and administrations that are reflective of their student-athlete population. The reason that this is, this is significant is Nebraska has never had a black head coach for any of its, any of its sports. Um, in fact, at this time, they, the university only has one person of color as a head coach, and that's swimming and diving head coach Pablo Morales. And... I, I want to be careful because I know a lot of people, and there, I did see some of this on Twitter too. Where uh, they, it's not about the color of your skin, it's not about being a man or a woman. It's about who's right for the job. And absolutely, whenever anyone says that, I'm like, we're actually in agreement. You and I are on the same page. But you can't, you cannot pick the best person for the job if your applicant pool is not, is not bringing everybody to the table at least for a fair shot. So from what Trev has said in his hiring practices at UNO and the way that he has sat on search committees for other things, he seems to be somebody who wants to bring a diverse group of people to the table to fill positions, to make sure that when you do hire that person, they are the right person. So when you talk about, you know, the color of someone's skin, their gender, all of that, then you don't even have to say that to me. Oh, it's it's about who's best. Absolutely. So, That was my question. And he, you know, he made he gave, in my opinion, a good answer for the environment that we are in. And it's going to require follow ups But I appreciated his candor and his honesty, at least in that moment. And I'll be interested and eager to have additional conversations. But I hope people know like this is these are good conversations to have. He talks about building respect and Uh, trust with his student athletes and this is this is something they care about so we absolutely should be asking because it's something that matters to them
2: i mean aaron when i look at i mean the husker recruiting class of 2020 and how many of those guys were from florida uh, or areas that just aren't like lincoln at all and and the the length of time they spent on campus which a lot of them was not even a full football season or not even a full year uh, before they're headed back home areas closer to home do you you think that kind of underscores the importance of of this hire that uh, that he's going to have to make for the athletic department
0: yeah, and I, you know, I think I think all coaches are, I think all coaches and all athletic departments are always wanting to accurately represent their players, but that's not, you know, that's not always been necessarily the case. And Nebraska has some work to do. We know last fall that that uh, minority student athlete collective submitted a letter to the university asking for some, you know, things to be met or at least some discussions to be had. And Bill Moose was working as Part of that group to move that forward. So certainly that's an area that Trev Alberts will take over overseeing and building that trust. But yeah, when you, when you bring in people who maybe have a different perspective, that is not a bad thing. And when we are talking about, Hey, your athletic director is being hired because people think he's bringing back the nineties to Nebraska. It's probably not a bad idea to also make sure that you are looking as thoroughly at potential candidates for things like, you know, Hey, does this person maybe understand why individuals might want to transfer? Are there, are there things that this, this individual can bring to the table that will continue to build trust with our student-athletes and make this space more inclusive? So all of these things, in my opinion, are a good thing. They're good conversations to have. So it, it is funny whenever you see a little bit of the uh, pushback. and like, I actually think we're, we're, talking, we're talking about the same thing. We're just maybe approaching it differently. But I appreciated how he at least handled that question and answered it to start it's, it's a good it's a good jumping off point for further for further conversation with him about
2: this and we got about 90 seconds left here so before i let you go i want to ask you about the three huskers that are going to uh, indianapolis for big 10 media days next week we learned today that it's going to be ben Stilley, austin allen and deontay williams representing the huskers out in indianapolis uh so what do you make of those three and also i mean you've since people on twitter saying why isn't adrian martinez going he seems to be the face of the team so so what, what's your take on that
0: Well, just to be clear, this week was given as a vacation week to players. So in some cases, like Adrian, they may have simply already booked vacations or trips home. And so Scott Frost, the football team, said we will not make them have to come to Big Ten Media Days if things have already been pre-planned. You have two six-year seniors. You have Austin Allen, who has been making a big – he's been saying he wants to be a leader of this offense. So it makes a lot of sense to me. I think Deontay and Ben will be great additions. Adrian's gone to Big Ten Media Days multiple times already – I think this is a really nice group. to. They're going to offer different perspective. And I'm excited to see Austin continue to grow into that leadership role in this way. So I I like it. I think it's going to be a really good group for Nebraska. It's really good representation. But again, don't read too much into it if you're a fan wondering why anyone's not there. They may have actually just booked trips home to see family. And if they did that, Nebraska said, that's fine. Go ahead and do that and would not ask them then to go to Indy.
2: There she is, Aaron Sorensen, deputy editor of Hale Varsity Magazine. Aaron, appreciate the insight today. You have a good weekend, all right?
0: You too. Thank you.
2: There she is, Aaron Sorensen. You can find her on Twitter, at Aaron Sorensen. And I uh, have a little uh, adjustment to make here. And as I didn't mention this at, at the top of the hour, uh, but we do have, a, a, I guess, a small audible uh, for the show today. Coming up next after the break, we're going to be talking with the newest Husker commit, Hayden Schwartz, 6'4 defensive lineman out of Jacksonville, Florida. He's coming up next. Uh, excited to get uh, some insight from him. He had a, a long list of offers. going to ask him uh, kind of what set the Huskers apart and uh, also what their plan is for him. Husker's been looking for a pass rusher for a while, uh, ever since Scott Frost got to camp. Uh, gonna see maybe Mitchell excuse me, Hayden Schwartz is that guy. He's next on Hale Varsity Radio. Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Back in on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson getting you ready for the weekend. Just heard from Hale Varsity Deputy Editor Aaron Sorensen. And uh, we're excited now to welcome in the newest commit in the Huskers class of 2022. That is Florida defensive lineman Hayden Schwartz. He's joining us all the way from Jacksonville, Florida. Hayden, how you doing today? And how does it feel uh, to be the newest member of the Huskers uh, Commit class of
6: uh, 2022. Oh man, I'm doing good, and I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty fired up. Uh, so I'm pretty I, fired up.
2: I mean, you, you made this decision on uh, Wednesday, I believe, because it, it was a, a busy day for Nebraska. Nebraska named a new athletic director. Uh, that was in the morning, and then the afternoon, Nebraska picks up a commitment from you. So I, I just want to know: Is this mm-hmm. something that you actually decided Wednesday morning, or, or is this a is this a decision that's been a, a long time coming?
6: Um. It's been a long time coming. Um, honestly, I had no idea on Wednesday. Um, I wasn't really on my social media that much that uh, y'all hired that new ad. So it just kind of it just kind of happened like that. Um, but yes, sir. So I um, I kind of talked to Coach Frost and the other coaches mm-hmm. um, the like the week prior and kind of committed to them, and then I just announced it on that Wednesday. But yes, sir.
3: So what was, uh, what, what how did Nebraska stand out? I mean, what other schools were you talking with? And, uh, you know, why did you choose Nebraska?
6: Okay, so I was talking to, like, Michigan, uh, Missouri. Like, those are kind of my top three, like, Nebraska, Michigan, and Missouri. Because um, the month of June was just, it was kind of honestly just with how recruiting's been. Um, but those are kind of, like, my top three. And then just what stood out with Nebraska was really, like, the culture, like, the family culture that was there. And then... Like, uh, Coach Frost, he's, he's just awesome. And then the whole staff they have there, Coach Shenander and um, Coach T, they're just all – it's just a really, really great environment they have that they've built up there. So I just – you know, I really wanted to be a part of it.
2: Hayden, tell me a little bit about your, your visit to Nebraska you took in June. Uh, who mm-hmm. did you connect with on the coaching staff? Which players did you get a chance to talk to? And, and uh, just as a whole, what do you think of Lincoln?
6: Um, I actually, I like Lincoln a lot. Um, I'm not going to lie, being from Florida, I mean, I grew up in Colorado a little bit, but I have pretty much lived in Florida for a while. I I really have never even been to Nebraska, so, <laughs> um, like, flying out there and stuff, I was like, dang, um, it's Nebraska. And then I got there, and I was like, wow, like, Lincoln was awesome. Um, it really surprised me. Like, it got me kind of excited, because I just didn't really know what to expect. Um and so it was it was a great time there and then um so Ryan Callahan i think he's one of the, he's he helped out there he was the guy who kind of led me and my dad around um and he was awesome and then so i i pretty much i talked to coach Frost you know obviously but then like um uh, coach T just the defensive line um coach Shenander. it was just i kind of got a little bit of like everybody um and then yeah it was it was a lot of fun i'm not going to lie like as far as lincoln goes i was I was really actually surprised, and it kind of got me excited to see it in person
3: you know it's it's interesting Hayden. You, you know you talk about those schools that you were talking to, and you know obviously here in nebraska it's been a, it's been a few years since uh, we've we've seen a winning season, and uh, you know I'm sure you know recruits you guys like to see you know schools that are winning, but you know what, did that not phase you at all that you know in nebraska it's been a while since we've had a winning season you but you chose to come here anyways
6: oh uh, yes sir yeah am th- honestly that wasn't really I mean, that's obviously, like, a factor, but I really wasn't thinking of that when it came down to my decision because I really wanted to go to the spot that, you know, I would be the best fit and be able to, like, just contribute in any way and then also that I would get most developed. Um, because, you know, obviously you want to win games, and that's I want to win games. And um, when it came down to making my decision, like, that really wasn't, you know, too
2: You mentioned, uh, I guess, first, tell me about your game. How does your game translate into what uh, Nebraska wants you to do? And what exactly does Nebraska want you to do once they get here?
6: Um, So, when I was talking to, like, Coach Frost and then Coach T, like, I think they see me more as, like, that outside end, like, rushed end. Um, I think they kind of call their outside linebacker or it's it's on that outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And, honestly, it's kind of been with most of the schools I've talked to. Um, they see me as that out, like that end. Um, and then just depending on what my body does in college, because, um, and then I might also like rotate in a little bit, kind of that four, like four eye type stuff. Um, but right now they kind of see me as that, like that outside end, rush end.
2: Now, now, really fast, do you have a, a favorite pass rush move? I mean, I, I played uh, along the lines back in high school. I wasn't as good as uh, as yeah. you. I wasn't good enough to get recruited. I was All-State Honorable Mention, not to toot my own horn or anything.
4: Oh, hey. Yeah, but, hey
2: uh, sure. but but what what was your favorite pass rush move to go to? I, I mean, a lot of coaches don't like the swim move. That was always my favorite. That's why I was an offensive mm-hmm. lineman, not a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But what, what what's your go-to whenever you just got to get to that quarterback third and long?
6: Oh, man. Um, really, I kind of go – I mean, you obviously kind of got to see what the tackle's doing, but pretty much I go with, I'll shoot my, like, I'll stab, and then I'll try to hit his hand to dip. I kind of dip my shoulder and then just try to get to the quarterback. Oh, Von, Von Miller style. Try to get underneath that. Uh, <laughs> I guess so, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. um,
3: go ahead, Hayden, sorry.
6: Oh, no, I'm just going to say that other than that, though, um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm not really thinking that much, but um, that's the that's one that I definitely, you know, try to use the most. Sea
3: ball, get ball. That's my kind of player.
6: Yes, sir. Hey, Hayden, yes, sir. I'm
3: curious, man. So you 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 know you lived in Florida your whole life. Uh, who was the college team that you kind of grew up cheering on for?
6: Um, really, oh, man. Um, I just always liked uh, Texas. Um, oh. Well, I, was, I was born in Austin. I was born in Austin. So that's kind of why. Wow. Um, but really, I don't know. I kind of just like watching football in general. Um. Like, being in Florida, I just, you know, i watched watch when the Gators play. It's just kind of whoever's playing. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, like, whenever I was being recruited by Nebraska, like, anytime you guys are playing on Saturday, I'd, I'd actually always watch you guys. Like, sometimes <laughs> I'd just turn it on. I'd be like, hey, I'll just be the only one sitting there watching Nebraska play. Because <laughs> all my brothers are, out, like, doing basketball and stuff. Like, I loved it. Um, but, really, I didn't really have a – I guess I'd say, like, just Texas. But that's just because, you know, I was, I was born there. And it's just – as a little kid, you know.
2: Yeah. and before we let you go, we got about a minute left here. Uh, probably time mm-hmm. for, for one last thought. Uh, I just want to ask: if you like looking across Power Five football, NFL, do you see a, a defensive lineman that's uh, your favorite or guy that you try to model your game after?
6: Um. Well, I always watch the I watch the Boses a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if like my game's exactly like theirs. Um. But I I, I like watching them whenever at least in the NFL, and then um. Also, uh, as far as like college football, I know it's a little different position, but I always watch like uh, Brian Brzee, um Just like just have like power and where his hand placement, and it's just um, I really like watching those guys. As, far as NFL and then college wise, but
2: Hayden, I guess last thought before we let you go. This is the last one, I actually mm-hmm. promise. Uh, I want to get to your high school football season with the bowl School. You guys are a, a bit of a powerhouse down in Florida. What are you looking at this season? Is it is it state championship or bust?
6: Um, honestly, I think this year it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun year. So, like, we've made it these past two years, um, and honestly, you really never know until you start the season, but our team's looking really good. We're looking solid, and uh, as far as, like, the seniors, we have, we have a pretty good upper class, and then we got a bunch of young guys coming in that are making an impact. So, I think it's, it's going to be a fun year. I think it's gonna be a fun year,
2: Hayden. This was fun. Hope we can uh, we can get caught up again soon. Uh, have a nice weekend, and I uh, can't wait to see you Hus- wearing Husker red.
6: All right, I I can't wait either. It's gonna be fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> and
1: now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Rolling through a Friday here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel and Will Wilson just had a great chat with the newest Husker commit, Hayden Schwartz. He was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, that interview is going to be posted up on ESPNLincoln.com a little bit later tonight. Also going to have our interview with Aaron Sorensen posted uh, as well after the show. Again, you can find those on ESPNLincoln.com or the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page full show will be posted on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you like to find uh, hail Varsity Radio. Uh, that's where you can do it at to find the full show. Again, Chris going to be back in tomorrow morning for the Saturday morning edition. Uh, but Will, I just can't get over it. That was a, a really fun chat with Hayden Schwartz. Some, sometimes those recruits are uh, you can tell they've never been on the radio before and he told me that was his first time on the radio, but uh, uh, he sounded like a natural.
3: He nailed it. A very personable dude. Uh, sounds very outgoing and You know, if there's one thing we know about this coaching staff, uh, they are very selective on guys that fit their culture, right? The the big big culture uh, team here. And uh, there's no doubt about it that that guy, uh, you know, very very well-spoken and, uh, you know, sounds like he he fits that culture well. So, uh, yeah, Hayden Schwartz, that's who you just heard, newest uh, Husker commit. And uh, we asked him some interesting things. And, you know, of course, he said Michigan and Missouri uh, were in on him too. And uh, I love that answer. You know, I asked him. You know, it's been a while since Nebraska had a winning season, but you're still choosing to come here. And he's like, that's just not even on my mind. You know, he just, he loves the coaches. He said he loved Coach Frost. And uh, you're right, very personable dude.
2: Great conversation. Well, I mean, that's that's one of the beautiful things about college football is that every – three to four years, the roster gets turned over. It's 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 a new set of guys coming through. So I guess uh, past failures does not define future success, and past success does not define future success. So sure. uh, that that was a fun chat. Again, com is where you find that. Before we get out of here this hour, uh, I do want to mention something Aaron Sorensen discussed briefly in her interview with us, and that was uh, the Huskers with two new volleyball recruits, uh, both of them top 15 in the country, the number six player in the country. Caroline... Uh, don't want to mess that one up. Uh, if the last name sounds familiar, Dura it's because her dad was an NFL wide receiver with uh, both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Browns. A bit of an NFL oh. journeyman. Um, he he uh, won a Super Bowl, though, back in 2002 with the Buccaneers, and I think it was an eight-year NFL career he ended up playing. Wow. Uh, so, Uh, His daughter, Caroline, the number six player in the country. She attended the dream team camp that the Huskers hosted last summer, or excuse me, last month at uh, the Devaney Sports Complex. The third commit in two days, as I said. Another top 15 player uh, recruiting to the Huskers as well is, uh, make sure I don't miss the name, Bergen Riley. She's from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The number 12 player in the country, uh, a setter. Uh, So uh, Huskers, John Cook, keeping that train rolling. Uh, we discussed a little bit earlier today on, on the morning hookup uh, just how much longer John Cook has. And I mentioned, well, John Cook just keeps on uh, rolling in the good recruiting classes. So whenever you keep on doing that, it's got to be hard to step away whenever you know you got another national championship well, contending team possibly coming up. Yes, it may, it
3: may be hard to step away, but it also may be easy to step away knowing that you're leaving uh, you know, your staff in great hands and in hands of great talent that uh, you know, can still continue that dominance that we know. So, yeah, give or take... But, you know, nonetheless, John Cook's still
2: doing what John Cook does. Before we let you go, a reminder, 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash is to buckle up. It's a message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Got our YouTube Tuesday Rewind coming up next. It's with Trev Alberts talking about the 1993 UCLA game on Hale Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Chris Schmidt on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. I want to make that clear. We are on a Friday right now, but we are going to do uh, is uh, we're going to rewind to a YouTube Tuesday segment from last year that we had with Trev Albert. So no confusion. We're going to call it a YouTube Tuesday. I know we're not on Tuesday. We're rewinding back uh, to a May interview we had last year with Trev Alberts talking about the 14 to 13 win Nebraska had over UCLA in 1993. Back
5: with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's YouTube Tuesday time, and we welcome in a College Football Hall of Famer, Nebraska Hall of Famer, the Buntkiss Award winner in ninety-three and the athletic director at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. We say hi again to Trev Alberts. Trev, how's your Tuesday going?
4: It's going quite well. Thank you very much.
5: Well, appreciate your time. And Trev, what a what a magical season ninety-three was for Nebraska. Uh, A chance uh, to win it all undefeated going into the Orange Bowl. And uh, let's go back to to camp before we get to the UCLA game. And, uh, you know, as a senior, you you guys had built up and uh, you you had a pretty good squad, a little young on offense, but a, a pretty vaunted defense. How are you feeling as one of the team leaders going into that senior year?
4: Yeah, I think you know. I think one of the things that uh, often gets overlooked and maybe missed is uh, while the the previous Orange Bowl, um, you know, we lost by a couple touchdowns to Florida State. I that was my junior year. I, I really think um, we we could feel that we were closing the gap. We could, we could feel that. That we had some, as you mentioned, some young talent. We had some veteran leadership, some hard workers, some character. Uh, but we also had some young emerging talent. And so the gap was closing and that whole off season, I think we started to feel pretty good about the fact that, you know, we had a chance to be to be a really good football team. Uh, we had guys like Lance Lundberg and Gerald Armstrong. John Reese was a, a captain with me. So a good veteran group of leaders from the 89 class. And then, you know, the Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Fraisers and some of the young cats that were coming in. Uh, we really thought we were going to have a, a, a good football team.
5: How did you feel about the, the shift, the switch, from the 5-2 the to, to the 4-3 uh, I know the result, but it was still a transition. And in '93, in, in correct me if I'm wrong, was that the first year you guys switched it?
4: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was ecstatic. I, I uh, uh, to be totally frank, I graduated early and and I uh, you know, really really enjoyed playing football especially at a, a place like Nebraska and, you know the, the the fans made our experience so amazing and uh, but I had kind of thought that um, and had wondered whether I would play my senior year only that I had some other goals outside of football and and uh, I was a I was a Okay, player, I guess as a junior, but uh, when Coach Samuel and Coach McBride sort of informed us that we were going to be going full time to the four three, which you know we had used, um, a lot of people probably remember the fifty two to seven game uh, against Colorado in Lincoln over Halloween in ninety two, uh, and then the following week when we played Kansas, we predominantly played that dime four three look and. And that was just an awful lot of fun. And so when they communicated that they were going to go full-time, move Eddie Stewart into a, to a linebacker role and, and just try to get more speed on the field, uh, that was very, very intriguing to all of us. And, and I think was part of our, our confidence boost that we were going to play a style on defense that really fit. Our personalities very aggressive, and uh, we're going to take some some calculated risks. But we were going to get after people, and, and you know, as a defensive player, that's your mindset anyway. And, and uh, being able to let loose and uh, really uh, uh, try to wreak havoc on opposing offenses is an awful lot of fun.
5: Trev Alberts with us here at R City Radio YouTube Tuesday. Trev, I, I want to follow up. I I didn't know that you were were not that jacked about a senior season until you just said so was it uh i don't know did it take me through what the you had different goals i completely respect that i know you were a standout student but um did, did that defensive switch kind of make things fun again or or did you did you lose passion for it it kind of explained to me the 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 tug of war that was going on
4: Oh, I, I don't want to anyway uh, insinuate that I had lost in fashion. Or I, I loved playing at Nebraska. I don't know. I just kind of assumed, uh, you know, I I, uh, I went to University of Nebraska to get my degree, and I played four years. I, I had never, Chris, thought about playing in the NFL. I had never thought about, um, you know, I, I academically was on track, and, and uh, so I'm not suggesting that it was a real tug of war. Okay, I always okay. kind of thought about. You know, and I'd had a couple conversations with Coach Samuel, and, and uh, I think it was at one point when he said, "You know, Trev, we're 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 going to go to the four three. I think you're really going to like it because I, I I think you can play in the NFL." And I, I just had never allowed myself perhaps to start to think that way, and yeah, and so that was a uh, you know obviously the. Uh, uh, the catalyst to to get moving forward.
5: Thanks for clearing that up for me, but hey, it worked out, man. He <laughs> had an incredible senior season uh, buttkiss award winner, and uh, let's go to to that Saturday. I remember watching it. we always kind of rotated. As a kid, where we watched the, the the Nebraska game, and you know the the superstitious type, and whoever's TV was undefeated is, is whose living room we ended up in, and uh, until it didn't happen, and what was that that UCLA game? I remember just how I, I was expecting UCLA to chuck the football. I mean, that goes back to kind of the Pac twelve. Or Pac-10 at the time uh, stereotype, but UCLA had a really good run attack, and and that, what a what a what a win and what a stand the defense had in the second half. And going into that game, uh, what, what were your thoughts? What were you thinking about the Bruins as it was kind of the first first road test of the year?
4: Well, I just remember uh, you know a couple things. First of all, I just uh, remember. Uh, there was about 12 or 15,000 people dressed in red. Uh, It's one thing to have uh, a lot of support maybe when you're in Ames or in Manhattan, Kansas, or something where, you know, our fans can drive relatively easy. Um, I just was really struck when we went out to warm up about what made Nebraska really special was here we are, you know, all the way in California, and and there's only 50,000 people there. So it's not like, you know, they were grounded out. I mean, it, it literally felt like half the stadium was, was big red fans. And, uh, so I just remember that. Um, I remember, you know, us talking as a team and, and coaches talking to us about, I think everybody knew that this was going to be a real test. We knew that they had a lot of skill and talent on their team. And, you know, we were trying to get ourselves into that national conversation of being a team that really could compete at a high level, maybe play again for a national championship. And, and, uh, so, this was uh, this was an opportunity for us, um, you know, to play against a the team that had a very good coaching staff. Terry Donahue was very well respected. And so, yeah, as you pointed out, I mean, you know, they had they had some pretty good players. They had J.J. Stokes, I think, a wide receiver. At the end of the day, it, it really was about their running attack. And, uh, you know, I mean, Skip Hicks uh, had a tremendous day, and, and the Shaman Shaw also had a, a really nice day. But when it really counted and when it really mattered – our team found a way, and I really think that that game gave us a lot of confidence. I mean, we didn't play well. We had four turnovers. Uh, they outrushed us. Uh, you know, they held the ball longer than us. But yet, uh, you know, defensively, we, we got pressure on the quarterback. It wasn't just me. I mean, we had, we had six sacks as a team, you know, and uh, that's in spite of their running. So, we, it was just, just like the rest of that season, you know, we, we stayed poised. We didn't panic. Um, and and we found a way. I mean, we we also had a lot of injuries uh, into that going into that game. Tommy wasn't great. David Benning wasn't feeling well, and and so we had a lot of injuries. But yeah, we just hung in there, never quit, stayed the course, and found a way to win.
5: Trev Alberts with this YouTube Tuesday. Our game is the Nebraska road win at UCLA in 93-14-13. That UCLA team ended up taking the Pac-12 and playing Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl and Nebraska able to to put enough defensive stops together. I remember watching that and and, Damon's out and Calvin Jones isn't suited up or didn't play because he was still nursing a knee injury and, it was a homecoming for, for Lawrence, and man, the sophomore delivered. He was incredible. Frazier gutted it out. But do you recall how many times UCLA either recovered deep in Nebraska territory or they got a drive, but you guys got to stop? I think the third down numbers were pretty pretty bad for UCLA. You guys were money on third down.
4: Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact specifics of where it was on the field, but for some reason my recollection is, is that our turnovers happened and, you know, just terrible. I mean, we were going in to score. I mean there were, you know, opportunities and, and uh so that's why meant. we didn't play all that well. But I, again I, I really think that um, games like that and we talked about it after after the game. Um, it's not pretty you know, if you can find a way to get through that, it actually gives you an awful lot of confidence because, uh, you know, I remember watching, we watched the film, obviously, as a team, and then you break out into your uh, offense and defense and then into your individuals. And, And all of us, uh, you know, there were a lot of plays left on the field. And so, you know, you start thinking, here we are on the road against a a Pac-12 team with an awful lot of, I mean, Jonathan Ogden was on that team. Uh, Jameer Miller, who was a finalist for the Butkus Award uh, with me, I mean, he was on that team. So you're talking about a team that was a physical team, very good team, on the road. We turned the ball over four times, and they have zero turnovers, and we still find a way to win the game. Uh, You know, we we took a lot of confidence out of that. Now, I don't think nationally a lot of people were really uh, all that enamored by the one-point win on the road by the eighth-ranked team in the country. Uh, But I think when you delve a little bit deeper, uh, there was a lot of positives that come out of that type of a win.
5: A few more minutes here. Trev Alberts with us, YouTube Tuesday, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Important uh, road win for Nebraska. You mentioned the confidence and uh, Trev, you, you you finished with three sacks. I think uh, I got my Sports Illustrated in the mail a week later, and you were the defensive player of the week in Sports Illustrated for for your performance. Ten solo tackle, tackles. Were you in the zone, or did you just kind of find the football? <laughs>
4: Well, I, I don't know. I mean, to be totally honest with you, Toby Wright probably should have been the Sports Illustrated player of the week. He had 13 tackles and uh, had a lot of uh, big plays. I You know, I I don't know. We uh, Again, we, you know, when you become a senior and uh, you don't have a lot of opportunities left, um, it just seems to be a little bit different uh, approach. And, uh, you know, I remember my mo- mother and father um, made the trip, and it was really special to me. They... Um, that was as far as they ever ventured away from Cedar Falls, Iowa. And, you know, and then there were other little conversations that were motivational to me. Coach Samuel, um, you know, pulled me aside. And and so for those of us that were seniors and you know, that were perhaps uh, hoping that we could uh, be considered for some awards, both academically and athletically, and then perhaps even NFL scouts, um, you know, they, they were very honest with us that there will be a certain portion of the whole region of the U.S. This will be the only time. Uh, that they see you uh, as a player. And so, uh, you know, I know I, I know our team was, and I, and I know I certainly was just really motivated to, uh, it was a beautiful day. I mean, it was just, it was wonderful. You're playing a, you know, UCLA, a historical team in an incredible environment. There's 15,000 Nebraskans at the game. How do you not get excited for that?
5: Well, and coach, I, I've talked to coach, Samuel a couple of times in my career obviously you got to play for him but that guy was as good as it gets uh, it sounds like with uh, the, the, the rush ends at Nebraska and he got you guys to, to kind of turn up when you needed to and just uh, excellent position uh, of, of of Nebraskans that I mean, you talk about that NFL and you were a guy that went to the league and, and guys before you went to the league and guys after you from that rush in spot, uh, went to the league. And he, uh, he's one of the just unsung guys. I Maybe mean, Nebraska fans know how important he is, but, uh, he, he always had you guys flying around the football. Trev, when we talk about importance yeah. and we talk a little bit about uh that confidence boost wasn't your first close win in ninety three you had to go to boulder yeah that that one in Kansas that was a uh, a one pointer it was did did, did uh, that Saturday in the Rose Bowl give you confidence and and make you feel Okay, we'll find a way to get this thing handled later on in the year. It was did you guys ever waver or did you did you feel like all right, we're kind of a team of destiny?
4: Well, I think I think it kind of built upon itself a little bit and uh, real quick first, I do want to say I 100% agree with you on Tony Samuel. His brilliance was people and understanding what made them tick. He wasn't a raw, raw didn't yell and scream and get you all. But he knew what it was that motivated you. And what motivated me was different than Broderick Thomas or Jeff Mills or Travis Hill or Grant Wisdom. But his genius was understanding it and then using it to, uh, to benefit uh, the team. But, you know, I would say, Chris, the, uh, yeah, I think, I think that was just kind of the, the, the personality that our football team kind of took on. I mean, we were, uh, we were a bunch of fighters, and we were never going to be out of a game. And you look at the ebb and flow of a football game, and momentum is such a big component. I, you look know, at even in the Orange Bowl when we lost to Florida State, there were multiple times where we could have probably said, well, you know, at least we played them close. We weren't embarrassed. It wasn't a blowout. Uh, but just a even-keeled, poised, hardworking, resilient, um, group that just kept fighting, and uh, it wasn't one person or one side of the ball. I mean, it was it was all of us. I mean, uh, you know, we Byron missed a field goal against UCLA, um, came back and made an important one. UCLA missed a couple, so that's just football and your ability to to stay focused, keep working, stay together, stay unified. Um, that was just our team, and uh, I can honestly tell you that uh, I, I don't recall one time. Uh, in my senior year, uh, that our team we never ever—the thought of us losing—really never even crossed our mind. We just always knew we were going to win the game. Perhaps it wouldn't be quite uh, as big of a, a margin as we had hoped, uh, but but losing was not something that was uh, was even part of our thinking. And I think that's part of—you earn that through. Overcoming those barriers and obstacles and finding a way to win those close games, like we did at the start against UCLA, and then just really carried on throughout the course of that season. And now,
2: and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. It's Elijah Herbel alongside Will Wilson. So We're currently rewinding back to last May uh, for Schmidt's sit-down with Trev Alberts on a YouTube Tuesday. Again, we're th- it's Friday, but we're rewinding back to YouTube Tuesday as, uh, as Trev was recapping uh, Nebraska's 14-13 win over UCLA and his experience in that game back in 1993. Here's more from Schmidt and Trev.
5: Trev Alberts, YouTube Tuesday with us. We're talking Nebraska-UCLA, the 14-13 win against a Rose Bowl-bound Bruin squad from the Pac-12. Great defense, enough offense, gutty performance overall by the team. Trev, as we say goodbye, and this was a lot of fun, and thanks for taking the time here uh, on the show. Who were some of the, the lasting friendships you've had with that team? You mentioned the class of 89. And, and that's a foundational class for what you guys did as juniors and seniors which, and, and what came after you. Uh, who are some of the guys that, that kind of poured that concrete, so to speak, for you and for, and, and for the team with Nebraska football?
4: Well, I mentioned a couple of them already, but, you know, uh, Lance Lundberg did a lot of battles with him down in the old Schulte Fieldhouse, one-on-one from Wausau, Nebraska. Gerald <laughs> Armstrong, the epitome of a, of a walk-on who um, had a dream, had a work ethic, and had an awful lot of talent and ability and turned himself into a starter and a captain. I think he... I think he had, at one point, he had like seven receptions and six of them were touchdowns. <laughs> the guy was a uh, walking touchdown down around the goal line. But uh, John Reese, Ernie Beeler was a real good friend of mine. Of course, Travis Hill was a year older. Yeah. Um, Toby Wright um, was incredible. Um, just just a lot of those guys, Terry Keneally, you know, Kevin Raymakers, uh, just so many. You hate to start. Mentioning names because, of course, you don't mention all of them, and then you run into around town and say, "Oh, you don't, you don't remember me." Uh, the <laughs> fact of the matter is, is that uh, you know we, you know, we had some characters, and certainly uh, uh, none of us, including me, were perfect. Uh, but by and large, I thought we had a a good group of young men who uh, were brought together with one common goal, really kind of motivated and pushed along by, you know, the state and our alumni and fans who uh, cared so deeply about the university and the program and sort of helped us will our way to some victories that perhaps we maybe even shouldn't have had. But that's what made playing at the University of Nebraska so much fun. Uh, it, you know, football at the University of Nebraska matters. Um, and it matters just beyond the wins and losses. It, it matters to the state. It matters to the local economy. And it, it just flat out matters. So when you want to be a part of something, you want to be a part of something that uh, everybody's all in on, unified, and working together. And I think, by and large, you know, we, that's the kind of team we had. Uh, the young men who weren't uh, behind that type of thinking, they didn't last very long in the program. So, you know, we talk about that class in 89, Chris. I mean, I think we had 25 or 6 recruits. Eight or nine of them were gone after the first year. I'm not suggesting they were all gone because they didn't fit our culture. I'm saying and many of them were the highest. But not everybody made it. It was very demanding. It was very difficult. And Coach would tell us that if you do see it through and you are a finisher, great things will happen for you. And some guys didn't. And uh, so the guys that did make it, you know, did fight through that, you know the freshman team or then being a red shirt and getting beat up a little bit, um, you know, ultimately got to, to uh, have some of the rewards at the end. And, and those were the guys that got to play against games like UCLA. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
5: That, that family-type atmosphere and mentality and, and common goal. And Coach McBride, when he's with us, references – the The pit or the the one on ones and how you'd be going at lundberg, not you sp- just as an example you just touched on and and how i mean it, it just it, it brought the best out of each of you and and then you could just leave it at the practice field and you guys were good to go to hang out at at the training table that that's pretty unique.
4: Yeah, it really is. I mean, but that's absolutely true. Coach McBride is right, and and, but but part of the reason we could do that is because of how they talked to us. I mean, they talked to us like men. They communicated well with us. They were very transparent. We talked about those kinds of things. We talked about you know, literally in a sense, going to war against each other, even though your teammate in practice to get better. And I'll tell you, I. You know, I, I didn't like him at all in practice. In fact, I couldn't stand him. I certainly didn't like Will Shields either. Uh, but then at the end, with his training table or study hall, uh, you know, we're on the same team. And it was about helping each other get better, being great teammates to one another. And uh, and then, frankly, Chris, once the game started, the reality was it was kind of fun to, to play against guys and realize that, um, you know, the best players I played against were the guys I played against in practice every day, and so um, I, ne- I knew I never went into a game thinking that this guy is going to be something that I've never seen before. Uh, every every time I played against somebody in college football, uh, I had played against somebody equal or superior in talent, technique and work ethic at the University of Nebraska in practice.
5: That's pretty pretty powerful. Trev Alberts, YouTube Tuesday, Nebraska UCLA 93. Trev, best to you and your family. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for a few minutes with us here on YouTube Tuesday.
4: Certainly. Have a great day. Thank you, Chris. So
5: that was Trev Alberts back uh, last May. The YouTube Tuesday
2: segment discussing uh, that win over UCLA back in 1993, and just some some interesting insight there from Trev as he now steps into his new role as Nebraska AD. That was the news of the week, but the news that has been uh, burning up social media over the past 24 hours has been uh, the Big Ten, or excuse me, the Big Twelve, and their uh, their decision about the uh, the iconic. Texas Longhorn, uh, you know, that little hand gesture the Texas players do, and they have now deemed it to be taunting if any player uh, is to uh, flash that horns down uh, symbol at a Texas player or coach or sideline or fan uh, this season. You, you, so you can no longer in the Big 12 do the horns down.
3: Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. Cry me a river. I don't know why Texas is being treated so well. Why are they being treated so much better than Oklahoma? And I mean, you could even throw Baylor in that mix because they've been good recently. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have been doing well for the Big Twelve, you know, better than Texas has. So I don't know why, uh, you know, they're they're kind of being defended by the by the Big Twelve like this. It's uh, well,
2: well, apparently you can, as a player, you can flash the horns down symbol to your own fans but not at a player? Not at a Texas player, not at the Texas fans, not at the Texas sideline, not at a Texas coach. Give me a break. But you, apparently you can do it at your own fans. We're not sure. Maybe you can't do it whenever Texas is even on the field with you. Uh, but it, it seems to be there's a, a, a bit of a it, – it's not a firm line in the sand. It's a little bit muddled. You're not quite sure where the line is. So, I mean, we haven't gotten the official rule book, but that is from uh, the Big 12 coordinator officials, Greg Burks saying that uh, if you do a horns down to a Texas player as an opponent uh, or their sideline, that's going to be a foul. Uh, Yeah, I I don't like it. My problem with it is a Texas player can sit there and do horns up all they want. Yeah. That's fine. Add a player too, right? Add a player. You -hmm. can can do it whenever you want. Horns up is fine. But as soon as you go horns down to Texas, that's now taunting and illegal.
3: Yikes. Yeah, Uh, get a a team GPA above – Two seven. Then then we'll talk
4: Texas.
2: That was a record, man. Um, we had a uh, Barry Switzer weigh in, uh, and I, I got to do some censoring here. Oh, this he ought said, to be good. That's bull. You can fill in the blank. Bull beep. Uh, horns down is a part of the history of the game. It's natural reaction. It's like. When somebody gives you the finger, you give them the finger right back, right? (laughs) Well, if someone does a horns up, you're going to do a horns down right back at them. (laughs) I love it.
3: I'm with Barry Switzer on this one. I am too, and and no better person to hear that from than uh, Barry Switzer. Uh, Elijah, I'm trying to think of some other schools that have hand gestures like this that this could come
2: in play to. I know TCU's got, like, a stupid, like, I, I don't even know what it is. It's like a...
3: Miami does the, the, U. the U, right? Uh, you know, of course, here we have the,
2: the bones. You can't really flip that upside in, down, Unless though. you
3: do it like, like... That's how they see, actually
2: do See, I, I, I could see you doing the U upside down. The U upside down works. I've never seen anybody do it. It's probably been done before. Horns down is just so easy, and it's just so disrespectful. That makes it so much fun. Is It's just like... Because Texas oh. loves their horns up thing. You're so right. There's no doubt They're about so it. They're so annoying about
3: it, too. Well, there's, there's no doubt about it. It makes college football better when you have... You know, teams doing that to Texas. I I don't know about you, but if teams were allowed to do that, I would be watching every Texas
2: game because Texas would just get pissed off every single time they do that. Uh, The thing is, is. is so many Nebraska fans have been calling for, oh, maybe not Trev Albert's back. Maybe now uh, we've been, uh, we're have been we going to be considering going back to the Big 12. And I think they're saying that in jest. I don't know for sure. Colin, if, if you actually seriously believe that Nebraska is going to go back to the Big 12 now, 402-466-3776. But I think this is a great reason to not go back to the Big 12. If I uh, cannot do a horns-down symbol at Texas, why would I want to go back to the Big 12? This just kind of shows the problem that Nebraska had with the Big 12 in the first place, which is exactly. that – exactly. Texas is the is the sh- the shining star. They're the baby the of the baby. Big Twelve. Which again, the, I don't they get their own network. You can't do a horns down at them. Why is there all this favoritism towards the University of Texas?
3: Exactly. And what have they done in the past? What five seasons? Besides, uh, what's his face getting up after the bull win and saying Texas is back? We're back. Man, Sam Ellinger. That that video still makes me cringe to this day. <laughs> I hope we never make that mistake if we ever get back. Uh, but, again, I don't know why Texas is... is again, we all know that they're the Big 12's baby, but don't you usually protect teams when they're doing good? I mean, Oklahoma is by far the best team in that well, conference.
2: Maybe they're protecting Texas. They don't want Texas' feelings to be hurt because they're doing so bad. Maybe if they start winning some games, then you can start taunting them again because you need it to get that advantage to get in their head. But whenever they're going 5-7 and seven every single you don't need that extra horns down getting their head because you're going to beat them anyway. I would love to see the numbers. The numbers of how much each school...
3: Revenue-wise, goes to the Big 12? Because I wouldn't doubt if Texas is giving the Big 12 the most money. Right.
2: Uh, We have had uh, some other famous people chime in, as well as Barry Switzer. Baker Mayfield chimed in, and uh, he tagged uh, four of his photos that he posted on Twitter as not safe for work, saying the following content might offend some viewers. Uh, I guess the mentally weak ones, of course. Uh, hashtag Boomer, hashtag Zebras protecting Longhorns. And it's just Baker in a Browns jersey doing the uh, the horns down. Uh, Baker at an Oklahoma basketball game doing the horns down. Baker in his Sooners uniform doing the horns down, and then uh, Baker wearing that uh, the hat after beating Texas in the Red River rivalry.
3: Now this, there's a lot of stuff that comes after this, right? I mean, say this does become a penalty if you give the horns down, the refs still have to call it, right? There's some refs out there that will probably let it slide. And but nonetheless, this isn't going to stop players from doing it, Elijah. Right? No, you know, I might, might encourage to them to do the it. Down. Do it even more, honestly. Well, I mean, but of course, it will be a penalty, so you don't want to put your team in a bad spot. So you're only going horns down when you're up 21 when, in the second half. If you're half. up 20, or you know, you know, the refs not going to see you. Yeah, man. We'll see what happens with this. I
2: I really hope they step back on this. But. I just we haven't heard anything from any current or former Texas players really on this one. Do they even care? Who knows? I feel like it's one of those things where if I was a Texas player and I give a a horns up, I'd expect the horns down come right back my way. Well, anyway, can't do horns down, tail varsity radio presented by the Nebraska lottery Back after this. Chime in 402.
1: 466 ESPN or email the show, Chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: Those are the numbers to get us connected 402 466 3776, 1 800 825. Five eight six five. That's how you give us a call, and uh, we, we'd like to hear your opinion here on this next topic. As we just got into the uh, the horns down conversation, I'd just like to give a, uh, a shout out uh, to uh, producer for the Nick Hanley show up in Omaha. Go Big Ready. I saw him behind home plate at the College World Series, the Texas Mississippi State game. Uh, it got rain delayed, and he was just behind home plate, flashing horns down the whole <laughs> game. So, who, who is
3: that? What's his name?
2: Uh, he goes by Go Big Ready. I'm not, big ready? I'm not sure what his actual name huh. is. He, uh or his name is Freddie. Um, okay, but he uh he's a TikToker and he's a producer up for the Nick Hanley show. Ah. so uh, I, I think that's how he uh, got his name out there was via the, the old TikTok, which I'm not on. No, I'm um, not either. I'm twenty two years old. No offense to anyone who's on TikTok, but I just feel like that's for the, the 14 year olds out there. I feel like I'm too old for <laughs> oh, it now.
3: Um <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah. Wow. Fire fire shots there from Elijah.
2: No, I'm not I'm not on TikTok either. You you either are or you're not. I'm just I'm just not not a good enough dancer, I think. I think that's my problem is uh I got two left feet. But uh let's get into this uh this this Best next topic. Show. We were talking about horns down and uh I, I was saying I, I don't think Nebraska should go back to a conference that doesn't allow you to do horns down. Um but but the <laughs> but the uh But the other side of this argument here is that a lot of Husker fans say that despite not being able to do horns down in the the Big 12, the Big 12, Nebraska still just fits better into that conference in terms of geography, in terms of history, in terms of uh, the type of teams you're going to be playing. I mean, I I get it. Yeah, Yeah, Husker fans want to be playing in a schedule where your your hardest rivalry is against Colorado. You get one crossover against Oklahoma every four years or whatever they had us doing. Um, But I I don't know. I'm not for it because at this point – I do believe it's time for Nebraska to embrace that black sheep, different aspect of being in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, we we kind of saw a little bit with how Nebraska went for a guy in Coach Frost that didn't necessarily fit the mold of a traditional Big Ten coach. He said that in his press conference. It's uh, a comment that might that might have come back to to haunt him a little bit, saying, "I think the Big Ten is going to have to adjust to us." He we didn't go for that that downhill power rushing. Uh, coach that a lot of fans wanted saying we need to bring back the uh, the the run the damn ball mantra uh, to the Big Ten and well Nebraska didn't really go for that Uh, that, that's what the Big Ten's been built on for years is those uh, those big six foot four 250 pound (laughs) running backs four yards at a cloud of dust I mean that that's what the Big Ten has been built on and and then Nebraska shows up and we don't really fit into the Big Ten uh, when you look at the history of some of these schools uh, just I mean geography is obviously a big one too um, you see how they, they talk about us on social media and other channels. It's Nebraska is different than the rest of the Big Ten, and they're targeted because of that. And I think it's time for Nebraska to <laughs> embrace that and say, "Yeah, we are different than you guys, and uh, that's okay." We're, uh, I mean, obviously that the respect comes with wins, but I, I think it's going to say, even though we're different, it, it's time for us to to earn your respect. Yeah, I mean, we've been trying to
3: earn our respect, and of course, we're Nebraska fans, especially in basketball. Uh, you know, it it just feels like we haven't quite earned our spot yet in the Big Ten. And, you know, that comes with getting fa- fouls on the road and, you know, getting fouls even here in Lincoln. Uh, there's no doubt in the past few years you've seen some things where it's like, God, you know, we we're just we're, it's not fair. Um, but also, I have to mention, Elijah, this is all coming from Nebraska fans. People outside of Nebraska could easily think we are getting the same amount of attention as everybody else. It's the fact that we're Nebraska fans and we think our team deserves more uh, or the same as what other teams are getting. What I'm getting at is I would love to hear what you and I would say about this
2: if we did not live here in Nebraska and if we weren't Nebraska fans. So you're saying that we as Nebraskans kind of tend to victimize ourselves because we, yes. th- we think we deserve more respect than we've actually earned? Well, yes, yes, definitely. That's exactly what I'm saying. and I, I'm not
3: saying there's not disrespect because there is. But we, we maybe exaggerate it
2: a, a little bit. I mean, and Nebraska has to earn that respect. I mean, the, the problem with Nebraska and the Big 12 was that Nebraska was felt just like living in Texas's shadow. It felt like Nebraska was the conference that built up the Big 8, built up the Big 12. And then as soon as Texas came in, oh, Texas is the baby. Texas is the one we, we got to make sure is happy. Who cares about Nebraska anymore? And, and I feel like Nebraska... Well, that, but, but the whole Glory Days thing, that does fizzle out. Well, I I don't think Nebraska left the Big 12 going to the Big 10 saying the Big 10 is going to respect us more. Uh, I think Nebraska went to the the Big 10 saying the Big 12 doesn't respect us anymore. So so let's go somewhere that even if they don't respect us, it's going to work out better for us financially. It was probably also a money grab. Yeah, it's going to work out better for you financially. Uh, I I think, as we can see now, the stage of the Big 10 is a little bit bigger than the stage of the Big 12, especially when you look at how Oklahoma has gone and won the last six Big 12— I mean. Aside from the the top two teams in the Big Twelve, who else was good at, at football last year in the Big Twelve? That uh, was Missouri. Okay, I think Missouri was terrible, and oh. Missouri's not in the Big Twelve anymore. Oh yeah, duh. See, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, is that it's just the Big Twelve doesn't have that same stature uh, as the Big Ten. I, I've I, maybe it's because I was. 11 years old in nebraska jump ship and, and move to the big 12 uh, the big 10 maybe i just don't get the history of being in the big eight and being in the big 12 but i think that's okay I, I think it's time for nebraska to set a new course we're into a new era of college football with name image and likeness and just how different college football looked from 20 years ago um but if you think if you think we're not going to get respect i mean or if
3: you think we're going to get respect i mean we as if anything we just got to stop looking at that
2: But but look at what has made nebraska fans proud in the past couple of years. I mean I mean the number one thing that made me proud as a Nebraska fan was Nebraska, Bill Moose and Scott Frost standing up to the Big 12 last or the Big 10 commissioner last year and saying, "We're going to play football. We don't care if no one else in the Big 10 wants to play football. We want to play football. Football is our sport, football is our money maker. Football's what the people in this state care about and they were willing to accept that role as the black sheep. They didn't want to fit in with the rest of the Big 12. But they could have easily just stepped in line and said, "Okay, 11 other schools, 12 other schools in the, in the Big Ten don't want to play football. I guess we can go with them. No, they said, we don't care if we're going to get made fun of. We don't care if we're going to end up being having a terrible year. That's not what's important. We're here to play football because that's what the state of Nebraska wants. And Nebraska accepted that place as, as being the black sheep in the Big Ten saying, we're going to play football. So why is it just Nebraska,
3: though? There was two other teams that joined after us. Are they not getting the
2: respect that they deserve? as far as I'm concerned. But they, they didn't get that same treatment Nebraska got when Nebraska said, we want to play football. That, that's
3: the
4: yeah, difference. They weren't, they
2: weren't openly out there talking about it, though. Ohio State was not thrown through a wood chipper when they said, we want to play football. Iowa was not thrown through a wood chipper when they said, we want to play football. When Nebraska said, we want to play football, everyone said, what are these entitled people in Nebraska saying? Saying they want to play football? They want to go have another losing season while giving COVID to everyone in the country? That's what people were saying. They're saying we're ridiculous. But then whenever the the blue bloods of the Big Ten say, we want to play football, people go, okay, that's
3: fair. Ohio State is a good football team. I'm not saying that's fair, but I'm saying... We as Nebraska fans do like to victimize ourselves, and I'm I'm not saying what the criticism we got from all that was need, needed, but I'm not saying they were wrong either. I'm not saying they were wrong for getting annoyed at all of us for wanting to play football because it, I don't know, because it was an interesting look for a bunch of fans not winning games, trying to be the ones to you know give football back. I, I, listen, I agree with you. I'm with every Husker fan that I hated that too. But I think we need to be real with ourselves sometimes. And, you know, not everything is exactly – we're not victim to everything.
2: I guess the heart of my argument is saying we as Husker fans don't need to be loved by the Big Ten. We don't need the Big Ten to say, thank you, Nebraska. We're so glad you're here. Well, I just exactly. Want, all I'm looking for is maybe not even respect. Just Nebraska being seen at the same stature as the other Big Ten schools. I think that's the problem Husker fans have right now, and that's why they they want to jump ship back to the Big 12. But if you remember, we're not seen as equals in the Big 12 either. You got to win to get respect, Elijah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess we'll we'll see what happens this year. We're going to wrap up Hail Varsity Radio after this.
1: And now, and now, back to Hail
2: Varsity Radio. Wrapping up a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel and Will Wilson filling in today. So we had a pretty fun show. Uh, started off by getting caught up with Aaron Sorensen back in hour one. Before uh, we sat down with the newest Husker commit, Hayden Schwartz out of the Bulls School in Jacksonville, Florida. He was a fun interview. If you missed that one, you can catch it. ESPNLincoln.com or the ESPN Lincoln Twitter page. Uh, we also had a rewind session with uh, last year's YouTube Tuesday session with Trev Alvarez. Been trying to find the right time uh, to plug that into the show because it's a pretty insightful interview about who uh, Trev is and, and how much he cares about Nebraska. So we had that at the top of hour one. If you missed any of the show today, remember uh, you can catch it in full. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. It's also on YouTube. If you search Hail Varsity Radio, that's uh, where you find the full episode again we are going to be back tomorrow morning Saturday morning edition 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln if you're listening from anywhere else in the state uh, you can again catch that Via anywhere uh, we post our podcast: Spotify, Apple po- Podcasts, uh, Google Play, YouTube. Uh, Saturday morning editions also uh, always a lot of fun. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranack, and myself taking you through this morning. Going to be talking with Brandon Vogel and Gary Sharp as we do on every single Saturday morning. But uh, but we'll want to thank you for uh, for joining us here on a Friday. I think we're going to be uh, you and me back at it together next Wednesday as it's uh, Big Ten Media Days. Chris is going to be flying out to Indianapolis on Wednesday ahead of the Thursday and Friday. Uh, press availability. So uh, we're going to be rocking it next Wednesday's show. Uh, I, I can't wait. I always have fun whenever uh, we sit down and do these shows together. It's fun, man. Yeah, thank you uh, for joining me earlier today. That was fun as well. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun when you get the college kids in. Mm. Uh, before we get out of here, quick little update. I read a story uh, earlier today about Randy Gregory. This is from The Athletic. They had a little in-depth piece on Randy Gregory talking about uh, his recovery. And, uh, I mean, this is going to be his uh, his first time since his Rookie year, I believe, actually participating in training camp. Wow. Um, so that's pretty crazy considering he's 28 years old. Uh, what's exciting, I think, for the Cowboys is the fact that they have a guy who's been able to athletically mature while not being able to take a toll on his body uh you know he had all the issues with uh with marijuana during his time at nebraska and in the nfl Uh, he said he he admitted in that piece he said i've probably failed over a hundred nfl drug tests uh because of marijuana but now uh, the nfl's relaxed their uh their drug policy and marijuana just a little bit Uh, no more game suspensions Uh, they can levy fines uh yeah well and also
3: you know shout out to the cowboys too for you know staying with gregory mm. during
2: all those situations and believing in him and you know helping him and more importantly he said jerry jones has been a huge influence where he's gotten able to sit down and just have heart to hearts with jerry jones uh, saying like there's been times where they've both been crying in his office as, as they've told their own respective stories about the struggles they've gone through wow. and uh i think Randy Gregory's story is a great story to highlight the importance of mental health. Uh, he struggled in his time at Nebraska with uh, with social anxiety, um, kind of always felt like an outcast, if you will, hmm. and uh, kind of turned uh, some of the wrong avenues to be able to, to deal with those issues. But he's trying to get himself sorted back out, um, he's been trying some different methods. I know he, uh, he's back living with his, uh, with his ex-wife and taking care of his daughter, so just a lot of growing up from, uh, from Randy Gregory has been done. Uh, rooting him the best. It's a contract year for the Cowboys, so he is trying to get himself some money because he said for a little bit he, he was sleeping in his car as an NFL player. Wow. So, uh, Look out, NFL. Mm-hmm.
3: Gregory uh, on a contract here.
2: That's scary. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be a starting defensive end for the Cowboys this All year. So right. I'm excited to see Randy Gregory uh, this year in a Cowboys jersey. What's interesting, though, is apparently he's still smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, oh. which it's ridiculous to think he can do as an NFL player. But I guess, man. I, I, <laughs> uh,
3: addiction. I'll,
2: I'll stop there. I'll stop there. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning, Saturday morning vision, Hail Varsity Radio.